Hello! You are watching PHP Roundtable, and today we are going to be discussing open sourcing mental health. Uh, this has been a topic I've been wanting to get to for a while. I've been told many times in the past that I do not have, I don't handle um, my issues well as far as seeking help when I need to seek help. Um, I was well into my 50s, I'm north of 50, before I finally discussed with my doctor uh, some problems I, I was having, and he quickly kind of identified that I had ADHD. Um, and for me, that kind of was, in my head, just a lot of noise. I had trouble kind of organizing the noise, I had trouble um, focusing and just retaining a thought, just holding on to a thought long enough, names, tasks, anything. I had a lot of challenges with it. It, it had it my entire life. It, it was very frustrating. Uh, a couple of people had asked me to talk to somebody about it, and I just didn't really kind of see the point of it. I just thought it was how I was built, and I did it. And the, the doctor uh, started treating me for it like two months ago, and it has really changed my life and I, I really regret not reaching out and finding help for this sooner I mean I still have all the noise in my head but I'm able to compartmentalize it a lot better uh, I'm able to hold on to thoughts and retain memory a lot better um, so it's you know it's on me and and I and I understand that but things are getting better so what is OSMI? OSMI was founded by a very prominent PHP person, community member, uh, who I, I feel like just kind of identified that missing piece of the puzzle, like people not understanding how to get help, when to get help, who to talk to, and just trying to help people with that. And we're going to talk to uh, Ed, the founder of OSMI, along with uh, several OSMI Members, I don't know if they're all board members or not, um, including our very own Joe, um, who is kind of the one of the lead dogs uh, with OSMI and getting the word out there. So let's start bringing in the panel. We've got a few people. I'm going to do some introductions. Uh, let's start with uh, my good friend, Sarah. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. And I have podcasted before, so I can get off of mute. How you doing? <laughs> I'm still Sarah Goldman. And... Uh, Eric, congratulations on becoming an 8.3 release manager. I hear we have an Eric now. Wrong Eric. Wrong Eric. I know. Yes, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still shunned, but that's fine. Okay, let's let's well, speaking of Eric release managers, let's talk to Ben. Welcome, Ben. Hi, Eric. Um, Hi, ben. You didn't put your name in the hat this year, so that's you why know, you're not a release manager. I had a few things going on, a little <laughs> thing called PHP Tech happening, and a, and a couple of other uh, fun things going on. So I just didn't, I didn't have the time. Um, let's go ahead and talk to our OS. No, are either neither one of you two are involved with OSMI, correct? I'm in an official capacity. That not, not official. No. Yeah. I, okay. Well, I pass on stickers sometimes. Yeah, let's talk to Joe, who is an official capacity member of OSMI. Hey, Joe. Hello. I am an OSMI board member, and I'm also a part of the 100% voting for Eric for Release Manager Club. <laughs> That's right. Yes, you are, aren't you? <laughs> That's great. 
at least the PHP eight series. I didn't, I didn't really vote for, well, I guess I did vote for some other release managers, but not the five. I voted for uh, Eric. As dead last. <laughs> <laughs> you were my first choice vote, Eric. I it was a pity vote. Yes, Eric. You were. Yes. <laughs> Eric, no, right. Eric, I think Eric was my second vote just because I didn't want to throw him under the giant bus of PHP release managers. Well, and it is, so the Eric that is a release manager is Eric Mann, who is a contributor to PHP Architect. Uh, we, we enjoy, uh, we like Eric Mann a lot. We talked about this on PHP Ugly a little bit. The way he ended up sliding into that second position, that that can't be very common, right? Because if you looked at the voting, it didn't did not look like he he had had the second place votes. But it's how the rank choice thing works, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. That was that was interesting. I saw that. I'm like, oh, how did how did that happen? But I'm happy for him. I'm I'm super happy for him. The, The math checks out. Cool. All right, so we have uh, some some panel, some some additional panel members, a couple of OSMI members, and a good friend of mine. Um, I'm gonna go and bring him in first. Uh, Tom, I've known Tom now for a very long time. Uh, we've been doing PHP Ugly. We just did episode 334 last night, and the thing that always struck me about Tom is not only in person, but on the podcast, how open and willing he was to talk about some of his, uh, you know, mental challenges and issues that he has. I also know he is a big fan of Ed Finkler. So I thought, yeah, I gotta, gotta at least, you know, see if he wants to join us. So let's, uh, let's welcome, welcome Tom. Hey, Tom. Hello. Good to be here. It feels like we haven't talked in hours. It's, uh, right. I was just thinking the same thing. It feels like we just, <laughs> finished podcasting so it's great to see you. I'm, I'm happy you're able to join us me too I'll, I'll be here not for the whole session but uh uh i'm glad to be here i'm happy you're here all right and also a very good friend of mine or i, I think they're a very good friend of mine they might not like me at all i don't know i i have told i pronounce their name wrong all the time but i'm gonna try to get it right this time beth tucker long Hi there. Hi, Beth. You did fine. Thank yep. you. It's not so much that you pronounce it wrong, you just always spell it wrong. <laughs> Do I spell it wrong? I, I, I pronounce Sarah I Goldman wrong. I, I I guess I put the D in there, Goldman, and not Goldman. Oh. Uh, Her name I, is very simple. It's E3 Beth T. E3 Beth there you T. Go. Yeah. Now, are you on the exactly. board of uh, OSMI? I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that, about what board members do and what OSMI does uh, all together. Um, but let's uh, let's bring in the man, the guy who started the whole OSMI craze, Ed Finkler. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> that's very kind. Uh, that's very, very nice of you. Thank you. Thank you. That's a very, very gracious introduction. Um, I, gosh, I already said it before uh, when I saw Sarah, I hadn't seen Ben. And I don't, I haven't talked to you in such a long time, Ben. And I got to tell you, it's just great to see your face. Um, I haven't seen Mladia in a while, and it's it's, been, it's really good to catch up. Um, uh, and so, thanks so much for having us. I really appreciate it. Oh no, thanks for everybody taking the time to do this. I I, I appreciate it. Um, one of the reasons for full transparency, 
uh, one of the reasons why I had reached out to Ed and uh, start, I started with Joe and then ended up talking to Ed about this is because, you know, as a whole, our society has kind of gone through a lot over the past few years. There's been a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of just challenges with the pandemic. And we're not over the pandemic. We've gotten through a big chunk of the hurt um, and life is trying to get back to normal. For me personally, I had issues of the thought of going to events. I had skipped uh, Longhorn PHP because I just I wasn't ready to a travel and b be in a area with that many people. I think over the last three years since the pandemic hit, I I have been on a plane one time um, to because my kid was moving to San Francisco and we had gone up there to look at apartments and stuff but like the the idea of flying doesn't appeal to me the idea of being at conferences didn't appeal to me and that's coming from a guy who is in a couple weeks putting on a conference so i hope a lot of us are over it that's why i wanted to get people together is kind of talk about that time where people are how we should go about kind of handling things moving forward, uh, ideas and thoughts and all that. So I do appreciate everybody joining me for this. All right. So let's get into it a little bit. I don't know. Um, we're kind of a free form, free flow thing here. Uh, we, we'll, we'll get a feel for how the cadence is for people talking. But can somebody give us a little background on OSMI? I guess, Ed, you're probably the best person to talk about this. You know, what started it and why you started it? Well, it, it started out as a, uh, really it came from a podcast that I did with Chris Hartress. Uh, I think it was the 11th episode we did of Development Hell. Uh, and I can't remember exactly. It was either 2011 or 2012. So I think it might have been 2011. Uh, and I remember talking to him and saying, um, hey, I, you know, I, I think that had been a time I was having a bit, a little bit of a rough time at that for a couple of weeks. You know, it's like, which rough time of these 35 I had in the last year are you talking about? But, um, the, but I, I was feeling a little down. I was like, I, I kind of want to talk about this stuff and talk about like maybe on the podcast. Um, uh, and, uh, my need to talk about things like that in such public ways is probably a thing you could delve into for a long time with a psychologist. But, um, the point is, is that, you know, Chris said, Hey, uh, yeah, we can do that. I, you know, I'm not sure I can do much, but like, I'm just going to probably listen and let you talk. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And then I just, pretty much rambled uh for like an hour and a half um and just talked and i hoped uh, you know honestly at the time what I described what i you know i perceived you know what was going on with me and what my really what my experiences were like and i think that was the key thing was i talked about sort of what my experiences were like in dealing with the kinds of stuff that i deal with um i've i uh, have, uh, been dealing with, uh, mental health issues, um, for most of my life. Uh, 
I first started getting some kind of treatment when I was 13, and um, I've been taking something ever since. I'm 47 now. Uh, so most of my life, I, you know, I've had that stuff, and and I've needed care uh, to to function, uh, to be able uh, to be able to work, you know, do normal things, stuff like that, at least to some extent, right? Um, so I talked about that on the podcast, and I remember, I mean, we did 100 episodes of that show, and uh, that was by far the most feedback we ever got. Um, thank you, uh, Joe, for posting that in the uh, in there. Uh, I, I have to, I, those links, I hope, still work for the audio. Uh, I hope it still plays. Uh, but, yes, there's a link there uh, in the chat if you want to see it. Um, it was 2012. Thank you also for when we posted that. So that was would have been 2012. Um and, you know, all credit to Chris that he was like, yeah, man, do do what you got to do. And, you know, I'm I'm down with it. I'm not sure. It, it it I don't know if it's what I would do. And I, I don't think he's not that guy. He's just a different kind of guy. And he kind of approaches it different. He has a different look at things. And and so that's just different. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I bet the embed's broken. We got to fix it. Um, but the point is... Uh, you know, let me talk about that. We just got this great, like the feedback was just so much more. I remember people reaching out, lots of people writing us and talking about stuff and things like that. And that was just really, really, it was powerful for me individually because I felt like I put myself out there and the community responded and said, Oh yeah, me too. And for me, that was incredibly helpful and powerful. It made me feel better that I was able to do that, that I was able to be vulnerable and that the response I got was not the kind of response that I got like when I was in junior high where, uh, you know, they might have called me, or I'm not going to say gay, and they would have, like, you know, kicked me in the nuts. Um, and a lot, and and that, and a lot of experiences I kind of had like that, um, increased the, 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 you know, the sort of the, that separation you feel, where you feel like, man, I'm just not, like, I don't understand. Like, these folks seem like they're able to navigate shit, and I just can't. I'm just have trouble figuring stuff out. It seems like I'm always struggling. It's always up and down. Uh, boy, it's just, you know, it's a rough, rough ride. And, um, and so talking about that stuff for, and then hearing that back was just incredibly powerful for me because it felt like I had gotten back something that enriched me so much and made me feel better. Right. <laughs> it really, really did. And so, you know, from that, but the other things that I heard from, from, I heard the same thing then in their responses, right? I basically heard the mirror of that, that hearing someone speak about it and being vulnerable about it was powerful for them, significant for them. And I'm not, I, and I don't attribute it to really what, it, it's not me, it's the, it's the act. 
which is the act of being vulnerable. And I think particularly vulnerability when expressed by somebody who is perceived uh, to be some sort of expert or authority figure or whatever, um, is uh, expresses that vulnerability. And then, and say someone listening sees that they find a connection they can relate to. And that is a basic human connection of trust that is part of the way that we're wired. And we want that connection because we want the safety that comes with that, that of being in a group that respects us and understands us. And I kind of hadn't felt that way most of my life. Um, so it was really powerful to like to hear that, um, to be embraced in that way. And so what I I thought of for a while, like it seems like I touched something, you know, you touch some like a this is something important, like the, you know, the response was so strong. Uh, and what I, uh, I remember thinking for a few months, like, what to do with that? And I decided part of it was probably it was a thing that was I could do sustainably, if I think about it now. Yeah, it's exactly why. Uh, was that I could do, I could just keep talking about it at conferences. And I was kind of good at that. Um, I don't, you know, good enough to, you know, uh, get into some conferences and talk. And so... Uh, that's really what I started doing. And so I just was like, respond with CFPs and mostly given the, you know, a similar kind of talk that was kind of an intro to what I experienced. And then what, you know, kind of a very, very basic intro to behavioral health issues on a, on a international level, uh, national level, and then on an industry level amongst tech workers and, you know, programmers and folks like that. And so, um, and talk about kinds of things we, we could do to try to help with that. That's really what it ends up doing. Uh, so uh, I started that in 2013. I think the first talk I gave was at PHP Tech in 2013, I think might have been. Uh, and I uh, I really can't remember because my memory is terrible and fuzzy. There are people here who probably remember these things a lot better than I do, and it might help if they gave because I honestly can't even remember. I was there. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you should probably talk. Uh, but what I'd say is, and then in 2016, where you know I had been talking with folks like uh, like Joe and other folks uh, about um, trying to do something, you know, a little more and like involve more people with it, and so we started as an LLC, a nonprofit called open sourcing mental illness it's we were not an llc we were a 501c3 it says ltd so i it's either that or it's a car it's a limited that is a that is a what wonderful requirement from ed state of, of indiana how am i limited well it's because in the state of indiana nonprofits have to be labeled they have to end with limited if they don't already have limited in the name oh that's right yeah i remember that yeah yeah so it's not an lc i probably told the wrong thing it's not an lc it's a nonprofit but it is ltd cool uh so i liked it that was uh so where is osmi today i mean what what is the goal what 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 resources are there? Is You're really calling me out. Really calling me out, Eric. I don't know what you know. Um, so hold, hold on. All right, we got to get some clarification because Sarah's already giving me a hard time. I I introduce it as open sourcing mental health, 
but I call it OSMI because that seems to be what everybody kind of remembers it as. Can we kind of give some clarification between those two? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'll, uh, for at one point, um, and this was after, uh, 2017, I think. And to be honest, I, there's, I, I was not doing great at that point. That doesn't mean that that had a major impact on this, but I just remember I wasn't doing great. And I might've thought differently had I sort of been feeling better. Uh, but at the time, uh, one folks who was on the board, um, she felt that using the term illness was, uh, was kind of problematic because, um, it, that's not very well defined. Um, sometimes it, it, and I understand on a medical slash, excuse me, I should say on a scientific level or medical sort of traditional Western medicine kind of stuff. It's yeah, I, I, I understand that. Um, uh, and so we had dabbled with the idea of changing it. So we sort of called it open sourcing mental health. Um, I, in, as I've thought about it and as we've sort of, for a little while been, you know, we kind of were doing less stuff and I think COVID had, you know, a lot less events. Um, so I think a lot, some of the stuff that sort of, we were especially involved in kind of slowed down for a little bit. Um, I thought about it more and I felt that, um, that didn't really need to uh, factor into my thinking. And here's why. First off, NAMI uses, it's in their name, Illness uh, National Alliance Mental Ill, um, uh, which is a large, very, very effective peer-to-peer support organization uh, across the United States. I think they call it illness. I'm okay with calling it illness. Uh, secondly, I sort of like the idea of saying, yeah, I have an illness. Or, yeah, I have a, I'll call it, you know, I have a disability. I, I technically, medically, I do have a disability. Not even technically. I know I have a disability. I have a, a, a thinking a disability, developmental disability with my brain. Uh, but um I feel like I get to call it what I want to call it. And as long as it's not wildly offensive to people and I don't kind of really think it is, um, the idea for me is that I want this organization to help people who are suffering with behavioral health issues, um, and help them get better, help them find ways to get better help facilitate their access to care, things like that. Give them the knowledge they need, give them the support they need, stuff like that. And so I found myself less and less concerned with um, uh, that. I didn't feel like the pedanticism was particularly helpful here. So I decided, no, I don't like that. And then I said to the board, I don't really like it. This is what I want to do. And here's why. And yeah, they agreed. So no, it is OSMI, uh, open sourcing mental illness. That's the name. Um, any of the, the other branding, uh, will be going away in the next few weeks. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Here. Yes. It's, it's kind of a shame because some of our, uh, some of our mental illnesses 
particularly enjoy being pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like mine. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah I and and my job has made it even worse for everyone around me. The the interesting thing, and one of the things that came up during this discussion uh, about you know which name should we really use, it was kind of like illness, like what Ed was talking about. Is like, yeah, we want to say we want to heal, we want to highlight that this is an illness, and people want to realize that. But there's also this whole other aspect where it is uh, mental health versus mental illness. So that's kind of why we we continue to use the name. And Ed says the branding is going away, and he doesn't realize how much of it I have in my closet. So <laughs> let's just let's just this say it's going like to get real. Yeah, it's going to get real limited real fast after tech. So it's the LTD want, edition. Yeah, so we're going yeah. to get some Ford LTD shaped stickers for for Ozmi. <laughs> And ultimately, I, the other thing that why the other reason the name change went back to Ozmi is because Ozm just didn't catch on. Ozme. Uh, yeah, Ozm. It did work. It I'm worked. not going to say Ozm ever. <laughs> I felt weird right? trying to push Ozm, and then I think I think it was Beth that finally called me out on it, and she's like, "You know, it just doesn't sound right." I was like, "I know." No. It doesn't sound right. No. I mean, as somebody with depression, I kind of feel like Ozm. I like oh, Ozm. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, and mental health will still be a big part of what we do, but I mean, since our whole goal is to break the stigma about talking about this, dying away from the word word illness just seems against our mission. You know, you know, we had a lot of feedback. Well, I had people talk to me about the fact that oh, mental health sounds better; it doesn't sound so bad. And it's like, well, yeah, but the point is, we're trying to make people talk about things that sound bad because that's what we need to do to do to be healthy and you know so trying to i guess make it sound nicer just goes so against I, our mission. I was thinking about a corollary earlier in, in ed's introduction because you know as programmers and, and people in tech we have things like no fault postmortems or we're just like we need to understand what went wrong not whose fault it is um which i i think kind of ties into the sort of like just being vulnerable and saying like yeah i've got things to be vulnerable about and so and turns out other people do too but um, kind of in that that category, like, you know, nobody in that conversation is going to say like, oh, no, no, no we didn't have any seg fault. We had failure to resolve pointers. You know, nobody's going to say it's it's not a sev zero. It's a sev less than three. It's, you know, it's important to talk honestly and openly. Uh, it's in order to, it's important to talk honestly in order to talk openly. We did stop calling them postmortems where I work, though. We called them post-incident debriefs mm. uh, because postmortem sounds very. Um, I mean, death association, but at the same time, incident debriefs don't take our mouthful. We call them PIDs, which also gets okay. confusing. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, did we go? And I also think there's the issue with things like insurance companies where you don't want to give them any leeway where they can deny some kind of claim because it's a wellness issue, not a health or not a uh, mm-hmm. illness issue. So yeah. uh, that's, that's an area that I think the, the United States is really lacking in is considering, yeah. considering mental health, part of the whole healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We have had uh, access to care especially in a lot in a lot of rural areas um they simply don't have enough prescribers 
for example, in my county, which is a county with Purdue University, which is one of the like, top 10 public universities um, in the U.S., like second highest number of uh, uh, like foreign students come here to study. It's, it's, you know, it's a campus for engineering, aeronautics, ag. It's a, a, it's a big campus. And a lot of people come here. Um, and the total population in the county is probably 250,000. We don't have enough prescribers. We just don't have enough people to just meet people to do basic med work. Um, let alone don't, if you would like to st- me to step in the, uh, on my soapbox about things like, um, uh, pushes for things like controlled substance agreements and things like that, that, uh, a lot of doctors are being pushed aside, which means that a lot of medicines, uh, aren't just simply aren't going to be available to people, not because they don't work, but because people are too afraid of being sued. Um, so yeah, there's a, a lot of things for, for especially you get into uh, the whole medical system and the, the sort of the way that that works in the United States. That I, I get real pedantic every time I start investing with that. But for me, what, you know, awes me is that it's something that's solidified for me strongly in the past few months is that this is about peer support. And collaboratively learning together, sharing what we learn and helping each other. And it's not a whole lot different than the things that we all do. All of us here are very uh, active in our communities and our open source communities. And I think the primary uh, things that you get out of not open source as a just source codes available, but open source culture is that you get um, information freely and kindly shared in a collaborative way that, and it's collaborative learning. And so people say, this is an area of expertise kind of I had, or these really, it's not, it's not expertise. Nobody thinks necessarily about it like that. Maybe people do when they start doing a whole bunch or whatever, but for the most part, most people get up there and uh, like some user group and things like that. They're just talking about their experience. They're just telling the story they had of this project, right? And we all gain a great deal from that, just that process of sharing and knowing what another human being's experience was like. And it's always fascinating to hear like what's the same and what's different how oh gosh i look at things this way i really like you know sometimes hearing uh going to a talk about a subject i really don't know anything about about a stack or or like you know group community whatever that i don't know anything about because you see so much about what's the same and then what varies and you know usually there's certain things that are kind of the same and you, you see there and then you see some things it's like oh well it's a whole different way of looking at it i think that's cool but um, Osme is the same, is really taking these ideas of how open source community works and applying them to behavioral health care. Um, and, and so to provide a peer to peer support organization that in multiple ways helps folks and helps individuals and is there for individual tech workers there to support that group 
Um, that's what Osme is about. And I believe that that is the way that we're going to get uh, change in our particular industry in terms of how this is handled so that it's handled in a way that works best, particularly for people who do high level conceptual knowledge work. Like that's what a programmer is, right? Which requires a high level of action and ability in cognition. So anything that interferes with that is making it harder for you to do a good job. Every organization has to know that because when they stress out their workers in any way, or they kind of mishandle something like that, you have unnecessarily introduced more anxiety into them. And here's the front and front. Try not to swear too much. Uh, when your anxiety uh, response starts to kick off and you, that fear circuit kicks in in your nervous system, uh, one of the things that it does, uh, am I, can you guys hear me okay? No. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, Sorry, I was surprised we're not interrupting you. <laughs> I'm, I usually, people tell me to shut up after a minute. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Okay. Playback. Tell me, somebody tell me what I was just saying. This is executive function. You were talking about, um, ah, I was holding down the M button instead of just releasing it. It was like going mute, 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 mute. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, you were talking about um, uh, companies paying attention to their workers' healthcare yes. based on like stressing them out and all that kind of stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. When your anxiety is raised, uh, one of the responses that uh, okay. and one of the responses that um, your body has when you have when your anxiety increases, your body. So I basically I could play it out. Let's play it out a little bit better. One thing I like to keep in mind when I'm talking about anxiety responses is that it's something that your brain does to try to protect you, right? So. Uh, um, that's normal and that's something to be expected. Uh, but in this case, it's having some kind of response that's a lot stronger than it's helpful at the time. Um, and I think it's good to kind of keep that in mind um, as a that what your your brain is doing is it is perceiving perceiving a threat. And it immediately and again, in and I want to emphasize involuntarily, the person has no control over this, um, starts kicking in certain responses, including somatic responses in the body that do things like uh, flex your muscles, move things around, cause pain in your body. It does this because it's actually trying to get you to stop doing it. Um, and that's just, that's the way it does it is pain it generates pain in your body to get you to stop so um what does it do in here then uh so what happens is that when you have that kind of anxiety response it's like your brain says i have to shift into a different mode and when it goes into that mode let's call it like 
uh, turbo mode. Um, it's like, uh, shoot, man, I can't conserve battery. I got to hit turbo mode. And so on my uh, Pentium 66 or what, or my 486-66, I'm going to hit turbo and I'm going to overclock it to 90 megahertz, right? And it's going to say 90 on the front. And okay. And so what happens is it's like, yeah, man, that's really fast. But some stuff doesn't work so good. Like you get it. One of the things that your body does is it redirects blood flow away from your frontal lobe, which is where your cognition happens. So you literally cannot think as clearly if you are under duress from anxiety. The body's involuntary response to do for to anxiety is to reduce your ability, your intellectual capability, and it does it because it's it's taking those resources and tip elsewhere so that you can do other things like run faster and punch things and stuff and yell. Right? Okay, so that's why it's doing that. It's trying to protect you, but it is playing off a script. That was not designed for this world, basically, right? So you have it going off at the wrong times. It gets triggered in weird times because we don't, like, run away from lions anymore, you know. Uh, but things still can feel like that because we have those systems in us to protect us. We evolved those and we're alive because the people who didn't have those got killed. So that's what we're here with. Um, and do you uh, think, yeah, do you think that 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 sort of that we work in an intellectual space gives a false sort of narrative that there's more mental health issues in programming because of that? Because it becomes more apparent in our performance. Yeah, and 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 you know what? And that, of course, kind of maybe might get into well. What's a mental health issue other than an issue with behavior that is causing you some kind of difficulty in your life? And beyond that, I'm not sure you can define it a whole lot further. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like when uh, Michael Jordan said, "I don't have a gambling problem. I've 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 never been never been broke." Well, I mean, yeah, he might have a gambling problem. It just doesn't. Yeah, right. I mean, so yeah. So anyway, I, I guess what I was going to say is, in, in one sense, well, of course, it manifests for because you do work like that, and so it is naturally going to be affected more like that. So is it? So I don't know if that's that. I one thing is I'll say it's a narrative. I think there's some evidence to say that. There are there are perhaps particularities or particular things about the kind of work we do that either make us more susceptible to it um, because of that work. And then secondly, I think you also just naturally, and again, this is pretty speculative, but you know, we have some stuff with it. I think secondly, I I'd say that there is some I, I have to there's self-selection in this that this kind of work is going to attract certain kinds of people. Um, and certain kinds of people are going to be more successful in this kind of work. Um, so it's kind of like, well, you tend to get a lot of extroverts selling cars, right? You don't get me. 
I'm never going to ask for that job. I'm never going to apply for that job, you know, because I, I wouldn't. That sounds like hell to me. But, you know, so it, it does show up. Um, so we don't really know. I'm not sure. Yeah, real estate, another one is like, I, I just can't do that. It just doesn't work for me. But I know some people are great at it. Um, and it's nothing good, bad, different. It's just they're different, you know, it's a different kind of vibe. Well, I think to the selection bias, like you mentioned that, you know, um, you know, we don't see, we don't necessarily see things as much in, in, in other industries, but even in neighboring ones. Like if you look at maybe a group of scientists or if you look at maybe, you know, um, you know, historians or something like that, um, do you see the same sort of uh, representation or do you see um, a, a different sort of ratio uh, again, because of very specific selection bias that goes into people who uh, have, like you said, self-selected as I want to only interact with the machine because the machine is never going to judge me, is never going to uh, do anything other than what I tell it to do. And my camera has gone and given itself a mind of its own. And I apologize for that. Oh, well. But to, to my point, um, like, do you think maybe some of that self-selection uh, is, is, is maybe even that specific? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, look, I was a kid. I mean, I you don't know, tell my life story right this moment, but but I will if you want. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, I was kind of, a, I was a, a kid who didn't really totally understand why other kids acted the way they did and that didn't quite relate to them. I spent a lot of time alone and... I spent a lot of time starting working on computers and things like that. And I really, really dove heavy into that. And I don't know that it's like some magical thing with computers, but it's like, it's that working with computers at that time, uh, was inter you know, was interesting, uh, because it was very solo. Like I, I didn't have any access to the internet until, uh, 1993. So when I was younger than that, when before college, I, and I didn't have uh, a modem. So I, I couldn't get on a BBS or anything like that. Um, and I lived an hour away from my high school. So I didn't really hang out with any of my friends too much. Uh, so, uh, I spent tons and tons and tons of time alone and I'm comfortable there. And, um, for other reasons too, I'm, deeply uncomfortable doing work where somebody's like watching what I'm doing or things like that. Um, it's like the computer I can, yeah, it's something you have control over. It's not necessarily judging you and you get to do kind of what you want to with it. And then I can come back later and say, Hey, here it is. It works, but I don't want anybody to see the way I'm doing it. Um, and I, programming sounds like the worst. Yeah, kind of. I like to talk about stuff, but I'm like, are you just going to sit there the whole time and actually watch me do this? I Could you go? No, man, I got to. You're going to see me write a bunch of stupid stuff until I get this right. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think there's a lot. I think there's self-selection like that, too. I mean, so, yeah, I think, you know, certain kinds of work draw certain kinds of people. And so I don't think that that's. That's a big surprise. I, I you know, and I, Tom's not here, and I, 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 but I think what his question is a good one, and something that we need more. Frankly, we need more money so that we can do better um, data work and uh, survey work on this, so that uh, we can figure out 
what are things that seem that actually have higher incidence in this uh, group uh, than other things, and it would probably guide where we would want to put resources into helping folks and, and, and getting them treatment. So I, I think it's really important that we talk about this stuff and definitely don't assume that, uh, oh, well, yeah, all, all, all programmers have ADHD, right? Oh, come on, man. Uh, um, uh, no, first off. Um, secondly, uh, maybe there's a higher rate. I don't know. But I just don't know. But I think the stuff that I don't even we've done work at Osme for you know year after year um, to keep our survey up, and uh, we have not gotten as much uh, response. And I think we're going to try to really refocus that uh, this year. Uh, and if you're interested, interested in data science stuff, we need volunteers for that kind of stuff and lots of other areas. But um, I think it's something we need to explore. I think it's something we want to understand better because frankly, it's, it's, you know, if these are things that people choose to do for their lives, like I have, I've chosen now and I've been doing this work for 25 years. I chose it more like, what else can I do? Um, but, uh, the darkness chose me. Yeah, pretty much. Man, the game chose me. Um, and at the end of it um there's some stuff there's a lot of stuff that really sucks in some ways and may has made you know my life and my experiences as someone who deals with uh a, a brain disability uh cognitive disability uh, harder and has made my I, i'm i mean it's not like i'm comparing everything but it has made it me suffer a lot more than not someone normally would just experience a lot more pain and um yeah yeah and so that's the uh that's the stuff where i'm trying to i'll be honest all this stuff and and a lot of me getting back into osme and like saying i really want to do this is is me on the in recovery from hitting rock bottom in about summer 2020 and um, it's really about me trying to figure out how to take care of myself and how I get healthy. And so, because I need you guys, I need, I need this. And I know that my disconnection from the community that happened in 2017 for understandable, I think, reasons, um, was cut me off from an incredibly important support uh, emotional support, uh, system. Um, and I, I have only really started to recover in the last year or two, uh, or, you know, from, from that and all the stuff kind of happened between 2017 and you know, 2022 probably. So, yeah, sorry, I was rambling. I'll stop talking. Somebody else say something. <laughs> well, okay. Um, Let's talk about, I guess, where we're at today with uh, OSMI. Um, you know, what are the goals and objectives for it? How do people, I guess, a couple things. How do people get involved for those who might be interested in getting involved? But then how do people 
leverage the resources that uh, OSMI is offering? What's the best approach? Is there somebody to reach out to and talk to? Yeah. I mean, so that sort that, of thing. Right. A lot of the things that we're talking about doing, and we have a, a best probably smiling because she's like, hey, uh, let's see what Ed says about this. Um, we, <laughs> we have a number of things we're kind of like we're looking at as, hey, these are potent projects that we think could help people. What are we going to be able to do? Um, so where's Osby right now? Let's, let me restart. So I got off on a little, little wrong foot there. Start talking about the details instead of the big top level. Osby is, um, what I'd say is that we're really kind of like rebooting Osby a little bit. Um, I am, or the first thing is I, my involvement with it is going from, uh, I don't know, a year ago, really not doing anything. Um, just not being there, not being in a position to do much, um, to, uh, right now, uh, I am, uh, working at consulting. I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of in between jobs. It's a whole other story. We'll talk about that sometime, but I'm working on Osme stuff and I, I'm actually should, we're doing some, I'm doing some work that's sort of officially, uh, and I guess I'd say, uh, a, a new executive director role, but it's also kind of like the guy who's doing everything, right? So <laughs> when you're the one person who's employed, uh, you get to be the executive director. So um, Osme uh, is sort of, is basically, we're, we're kind of figuring out where I'm working on that right now. And so mm -hmm. a lot of that work is planning work to figure out some of these larger projects and then execute on that while we have some time to do that. Um uh, can I jump in please. here for a second? Yeah, please do. I want you know what? It'd be better if you talked about it than me. Please do. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds good. Um, well, like Ed said, I mean, as of a year or two ago, um, a lot of us being a volunteer organization running on volunteers, like everything stopped, right? And we were all very overwhelmed with everything else that was going on. Um, and so as critical as Agni was to all of us, there was only so many, you know, as they say, spoons to give around. And so, you know, we didn't have enough time to devote to Agni like we wanted to. So things tapered off. And since we are sort of starting things back up again, this is a great time to reboot things, look at everything, make sure we have a clear cut mission, a clear cut vision of who we're helping and how we want to help them and then start aligning everything we're doing with that. And so a lot of the things we're doing right now are um, taking a look at, okay, what's our mission statement? Is this still our mission? Is this still what we wanna do? And are, you know, that way we can take a look at everything we're gonna do moving forward and say, does this help our mission or not? Um, so right now, what we really need, if anybody wants to get involved, we would love to have feedback on where everybody's at right now after the last few years. Um, we would love to have people um, tell us what they need at this point. What would help you? I mean, we have a lot of ideas about, um, you know, what we think would help people, but what, what do you think would help you specifically? Because every single person is in a different situation and has a different perspective on this. And the more perspectives we can include, you know, just like with open source, the more eyes looking at it, the more bugs you find or the more security holes you find. We want our programs to, you know, 
be the best they can be. And that takes having as many people involved as we can. So just send us your feedback. Tell us, like, you know, what do you need? And what can we do for you? <laughs> you know, but then also let us know how you'd like to be involved. Do you like writing things? Do you like talking at conferences? Do you like just having ideas bounced off of you and you can give us your feedback on these ideas quietly behind the scenes. You know, there are roles for every different kind of person who has an interest in helping. So, you know, contact us, talk to us. We'll help you find a way to contribute that you're comfortable with and that works with you, you know, because we we definitely don't want those needs to be um, contributing to your stress and burnout. (laughs) You know, our goal is to be, you know, advocating for mental health, not causing mental illness issues. So, you know, definitely, um, you know, we want people to be realistic about helping, but there there are roles for all different kinds of people in all different capacities and at all different commitment levels. So, yeah. But first and foremost, right now, tell us your ideas. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that, that I got. Yes. Everything the best said is right. I should just stop <laughs> talking. Let her do all this well, he's been stop talking but you know once in a while i'll pipe up so everyone yeah just tell me to shut up yeah just interrupt it's fine Plus, i gotta you know i gotta say something because i came on the podcast you know and <laughs> well i'm sure everybody's thinking that but yeah well, well we're paying we're paying ed by the word so oh, is that oh i know i know right okay great i'll get the invoice ready <laughs> oh, these interest rates i'll be <laughs> uh, I, you, you brought up uh, you you know, you brought up how everybody's life kind of came to, to a halt there for a while, and you know I mentioned. Well, things halt, can... but I think we can all agree things changed drastically I was still there. for all of I, us. I was still mm-hmm. there, pushing buttons, making things happen. Like I kept the surveys going, but but even for me, it was like bare minimum because we because Osme is still a five hundred one c three. There there are federal. Uh, legal obligations we have to fulfill every year. So yeah, it was uh, it, it was still very much trying to get that stuff done. But after getting that stuff done, there was like there's no time for anything else. It's just nothing else. Yeah. What do do you guys have any advice for uh, for people who might be you know wanting to get obviously with the conference coming up, you know that was a big focus of mine. Is like is like how am I mentally going to get to a place? where I'm comfortable being back at this conference. I mean, does anybody have any like ideas or approaches they're taking for things like this? I'm pretty sure everybody here is going to be at the conference. Yeah. So if you don't mind me jumping in, um, I, um, (laughs) so, you know, I definitely felt what you were saying, Eric, about Lone Star PhD, um, I went to Lone Star PHP and that was my first conference in two years. And it definitely was a, a bigger effort than attending a conference ever has been in the past for me. Um, there were just so many more considerations and just so many more of those kind of planning burdens, you know, like making lots of extra decisions, like what extra things do I need to pack, you know, even just, on the plane, do I need to wear a mask on the plane? Are we going to wear a mask at the conference? Are we going to like, are things going to shut down while I'm gone and I'm going to have trouble getting home, which hopefully we're done with that at this point. But, you know, you never know. Things have been real weird the last two years, you know, and it was just a lot of extra mental burden preparing for the conference. Um, And I will 
fully admit that I debated many times of just being like, I'll just tell him I can't make it. It'll be okay. I'll just stay home. Um, but I am so glad I went because um, it sort of was the push I needed to get back into things. And seeing people again in person, um, you know, virtual conferences have their place. And I, I love the fact that they exist. But um, it was so nice to have a not virtual conference. <laughs> yeah, and I can totally feel that. Yeah, the spontaneous conversations that happen at an in-person event, I've just never been able to map that at a virtual event. And it was so nice connecting with people and listening to the talk and um, just being able to look around the room and see people's faces while I was talking was, you know, it was just really nice to see people again and connect and it energized me like conferences used to. And it was like, oh, I remember, I love this feeling of feeling so excited about programming and I'm going to make all these black bots and I'm going to do all this stuff when I get home. And, you know, I was so excited about all the stuff I'd learned and I was telling everybody back home, like all, all the people I work with, I was like, oh, I learned about this. And it was just, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I forgot how much I love this jolt of electricity I get from learning new things. And conferences are a great place to learn new things and get that inspiration, I guess. And so um, while, you know, I definitely still have a little more of that emotional burden to get over going to tech in like a week and a half, um, it's way less than it was for Lone Star. And so I feel like it's just, you know, kind of getting used to things again and just stepping outside that box and giving it a try, you know, and get back get back to what I love doing. So, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, one of my favorite things about in-person conferences, and as I said, I, I'm mentally still trying to prepare myself for, for tech, but there, there's just no replacement of the, like you said, the, the side conversation, just sitting down at a table and you're sitting across the table from Derek, the creator of XD bug and being able just to have, just a conversation. Um, I've even gotten the pleasure of people walking up to me and asking me, like, hey, I, I your voice, are you the PHP ugly guy? I'm like, that yeah, that's me, you know, and just being able to just have just just human conversation, even if it's not about coding or development, just being able to make that connection and just have a discussion. I I have missed that for for so long now and I'm really excited to get back to it, but again, kind of scared to get back to it as well. Mm -hmm. And and there's no replacement for being able to see everybody's snarky t-shirt comments in like in a virtual conference. You don't see that, you know, like you just, Oh look, everybody's neck and head. But like at a conference, it's like, all right, I like your sense of humor. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Ben, uh, Joe, uh, Sarah, and Beth. You guys all are giving talks at Tech, correct? And then we're also going to have an Uncon with Ed as well in OSMI. Um, we're still scheduling that. That's going to kind of be one of those like 
uh, uncon things. You know, when we have the room, we're gonna we're gonna get you get you on there. So there there's going to be a uncon at some point during tech as well, and I'm sure Tom will participate. Now, welcome back, Tom. <laughs> You're muted, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's right. another thing people can do to help Osme is if you're at tech, come talk to us. Yep. Um, yes. Honestly, yeah. Pro- I bet a lot of we're going to do a lot of work at Osme. I bet a lot of or, or at tech on Osme. I think we're going to meet a lot of people. We're going to make a lot of connections. Um, and we have a uh, a lot of cool possibilities going on. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, we really want to talk. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll mention, yeah, right now, really, the thing we need most is hearing from you about, like, you know, when people ask, well, what are your pain points? What are your pain points in work and life? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff that's struggling with that. Just think about that. And you can just send us a message. If you send it to info at osmihelp.org, or you can DM us, uh, I think, most of our social media stuff, things like that. We always look at that stuff. It's all confidential. Joe shaking his head no. Okay, don't do that. (laughs) Okay, don't DM us. Please do not DM us. We we that is that is a so fun fact when you're working for or with a nonprofit that deals with mental health, there is some there is some unintended side effects. And uh, when I started going to conferences repping Osme, I was bombarded with them, and it really kind of took me at first. So it's something that we tell people when they go to conferences to be prepared for something like somebody come up, coming up to you and saying, oh, I love what you're doing because my son uh, committed suicide or my my mother has Alzheimer's or it's something like that where somebody it's it, I, I like to call it a drive by unloading because you get yep. to unload somebody's baggage and just this drive by and they're just off. So I'm, you're sitting at the uh, the booth and you just get this. You know, somebody just unloads this giant elephant on your desk and it's not even a PHP elephant. And then they just walk <laughs> off. So you've kind of got to be prepared for that. And and I kind of got better at handling that myself. But also as an introvert, being at a being at a conference in the in the big marketing area with your own booth is very terrifying. But I love it. it and Chris is, it just, is actually going to be joining us at tech. Oh, yeah. oh fun. Is it just me or, or do you all get like physically exhausted at Yes, the After social battery gets depleted. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It, it is. <laughs> um, conferences I, are some of the most physically draining experiences I have on a regular I've have had on a regular basis, right? Um, that I kept going to. Yeah. It, it just destroys you. So, yeah. And it varies from person to person, but it just especially if you're introverted, it just takes so much energy because you're just so, there's so much stuff going on. So many people. Yeah. It always eats me up. Yeah. And Sarah, Sarah, you're you're muted. I see you're trying to talk. Sorry. (laughs) I just noticed you were trying to talk there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've, what I've noticed is that there is the, the correlation of that emotional exhaustion as well that goes with the, the what's conference flu or conference sickness, you know, is that there's such a clear correlation between mental health and physical health. And yeah, when your social battery gets drained, it affects your immune system. It definitely compromises. So it can be, it can be rough going to lots of conferences. 
And if you're at tech next week or week after next, whenever it is, because I know dates and dates are hard. If you're there, feel free to like disappear back to your room. That is a thing you'll see me do. Uh, or you may not see me do it because I'm just going to like be there one minute and then I'm just going to ninja out because I need to go recharge the battery or I need to go find L, uh, find Ed and get yelled at or something. You know, it, it, it's, it's all the, the routine things that you do at a conference. And, and, and there is, there is. Hear me this time? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, have because okay. I, I wanted to say basically what Joe said. Um, I'm in Chicago, which means I'm local to this conference, but I told John I want a hotel room anyway because I need to escape sometimes. And mm-hmm. well, right. I, I also need somewhere to crash when I'm drunk at the end of the night, but I, I also need a place to crash in between sessions to just reset that battery yeah. because that's it's draining, yes. And there, there is a OSMI quiet room if, if you're not staying at the hotel. If, if you're one of the people who, who, you know, you're not staying at the hotel, you don't have a room there. There is, there is going to be a quiet room where we're going to ask people not to have their phones out, you know, not to, not to be taking calls or anything like that. Um, so that, that will be made available for everybody at the conference. If you need a break and you can't get away to a room. Yep. Uh, uh, we Osme has done some good work, and I think that maybe we'll look at uh, we'll, we'll maybe take a look at some of the stuff. But we've done some good work uh, on providing hand- information for handbooks for large conferences, uh, like like thousands, thousands of people, at like uh, about um, about just taking care of yourself. And one of the things you know, Tom mentioned, and I think is so important: um, your physical and your uh, you know, behavioral health or mental health. We talk about them like they're separate things. And I kind of understand in the sense that our understanding of mental health is way, I would say, lower than our understanding of most other stuff in the uh in the um uh in the medical area, sort of like our understanding of like how the arm works or joints work or things like that. And it is just yeah, I forgot what I was talking about, but that she, yeah, <laughs> forgot what I was talking about. I'm sorry. I just, that might have been my fault. I flashed, I flashed a little nope. uh, <laughs> self promotion. It was a five there. minute old message too. I don't even know, I know right? what I was talking about. Literally, also, I didn't say it was better. I said it was no, no. I'm sorry, you're muted. You're passing. muted, Beth. We can't hear you. <laughs> oh. Sorry about that. Uh, we we just heard it's better. <laughs> I, oh, you, are, I, you are muted now. <laughs> I don't remember what I was talking no, about. No, you are I'm literally sorry. muted right now. I, but I could totally read her lips. She said, oh, for oh. God's sake. <laughs> I saw that too. Man. Man, I really miss you guys. Darn it. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> That's the other cool thing but I'm looking forward is, to tech is, is getting tech. back is getting to see all of you in the same room or most of you in the same room and, and, and a lot of yeah. other people too. And then meeting new people, right? If you're just listening to, if you're listening to this podcast and it's just a bunch of people who have known each other for a really long time. Yes, that is, that is a contingent of the PHP community, but it, we are welcoming. Please come join the group. Come say hello because most of us are outgoing or we try to be, or at least like me, I cosplay as an extrovert. Uh, so come say hello. We were talking about the hallway track earlier. Uh, one thing that I, we've been trying to do at these conferences for years is keep all circles of Pac-Man so that there's always a spot to drop in. And as mm-hmm. people drop in, make the Pac-Man bigger. So, oh, right. I mm-hmm. remember and that. if there's not, yeah. stand behind and people will be like, oh, shit, we forgot to make a Pac-Man. And yep. they'll open I it forgot up. about the Pac-Man. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always Pac-Man. So a uh, quick question. Um, 
and I'm, I'm not trying to wrap things up here. So I don't want it to sound like that, but I, I do want to make sure we, we touch on it before we, we do move on is, uh, you know, we talked about resources and ways people can, can get help. What if people are interested in actually getting involved with OSMI itself? Is that something that you guys are open to? How does somebody go about that? What's the difference between a board member and a non-board member? And email us if you want to. The number of meetings you go to. Yeah, if you if you want to get involved in in whatever official capacity, even if it's just lurking in our Slack group, uh, email us info at osmihelp.org is the best way. Um, the, the current board is essentially Ed, Beth, and myself. Um, we're, we've got a couple of board. And PJ. And t- sorry, PJ. Yes, uh, PJ is going to kill me. I, I totally forgot about PJ. <laughs> so we also have another board member that we're trying to uh, get back in touch with. And, you know, like the pandemic took a lot of us out. Uh, not like, not like, you know, Godfather style, but just like out of the picture for a little bit. Uh, that one was, that, that reference was for you, Ed. So we're Thank trying you. to get everybody, you know, back, back together. And we're trying to get the band back together, so to speak. So it's kind of like catch, <laughs> touching base with all these other people. So all these people that have been involved because we have a huge base of people who have volunteered over the past, God, however many years it's been. So, and a lot of them are in our Slack group. So it's, it's just a matter of us turning up the volume on our notifications and, and starting to, to ping people and, and get people back into the Slack group to kind of realize that, Hey, we're back and we're trying to do things again. Mm-hmm. Is I, there, are there particular areas yet that Osme needs help with? I could see yeah. some, uh, actually, oh, let me bring up, I have a, a keynote slide. I'm not going to show it to you, but we can read it to you because I made this list. Uh, I got to talk on Wednesday night down in Indianapolis. So I would say these are just things that I wrote down as if you have, or these are areas where we need help doing these kinds of things. Um, graphic design, uh, obviously website primarily, uh, UX and accessibility. Um, if you have, we absolutely want to talk to, uh, social media strategy, um, that stuff we want data science. If you have background in data science, if you want to do stuff and learn and help with data science analysis of, of just stuff really helps genuinely helps people in this industry. Uh, I think you can make a lot of really cool stuff. We have some interesting data sources already. Uh, privacy and security, we really uh, need, we want help with that. And also we want guidance on sort of like the decisions we should make about uh, the resources we provide and how we utilize or don't utilize third parties, things like that. We're really committed to making sure that anything that Osme does, we, uh, or the aspects that we have with it is that it's freely available and there should not be any security or privacy concerns um, as much as as much as we can avoid that. And then folks who do have a background in behavioral health, if you have done work or you're a licensed therapist, things like that, clinical social worker, um, uh, you know, we always need help for folks like that. And it's really helpful. Uh, we might look down the road uh, at some stuff, uh, like maybe an advisory board or things like that. But I am speculating. So um, the entire point is, I think, Really, all that stuff is stuff we need help with. And even if it's just your, the other things would be like, hey, I'm willing to be somebody who, like, for example, I live in New Zealand. I'm going to be the guy or or whatever for Osme who um, handles like uh, knowing what the mental health resources are available. 
in that country or in that locale. So like we have somebody like in San Francisco and we have somebody in LA and we have somebody in Colorado and right. There's no reason you couldn't do that. And, you know, I think those are, that's some area where it doesn't need, that's not like a high skill. Like I need to know how to do Vue.js or whatever. No, it's just a matter of if you're willing to do it and act as that, you can really help a ton of people by just being somebody who's available and has that info. So, and we can facilitate that and make that easy for you. So, yeah, um, I'd say probably would it be emailing us, I think would be the best idea right now. So um, at info at osmihelp, H-O-S-M-I-H-E-L-P dot O-R-G. So tell me if I said anything that was illegal or wrong, Joe or Beth. You're fine, mostly. I don't think you Yeah, I don't think you said anything wrong. Okay. Um, I think I would add if, um, you know, even if people just have stories mm. about something that was hard on their mental health or, you know, something that led them to discover that they had a mental illness, something that improved their mental illness, you know, um, personal stories about, you know, how did you learn about this and what steps are you taking? What steps is your work taking to support, you know, the mental state of their employees? Or, um, you know, what steps are they not taking (laughs) that they should be taking? You know, these kinds of personal stories all help us as well as an organization figure out where we can help people. And also just, you know, if you're willing to tell your story to other people too, you know, maybe you'd like to sit at the booth for us at a conference, or maybe Mm. you would like to be on a podcast with us sometime or, you know, any number of things. So it doesn't even have to be a huge time commitment. It could be, you know, I'm going to write up this three paragraph story about, you know, how I learned about Osme and I'm going to let you know, that would be super helpful. And if you've got a a concern about stigma or you think you're the only one, man, 7 billion people just suffered a gigantic trauma over the past couple of years. Like Mm -hmm. we have all got a little bit of it or a lot of bit of it. And Mm -hmm. it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not a, it really shouldn't be a stigma. There should be no stigma available for it. Yeah, exactly. And we, I, I, I feel silly having to say this, but we probably should mention it at some point. We're all full-time developers. Like nobody here is a professional medical person. So don't take mm-hmm. anything we say as medical advice. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. and I prep that because I, of, of my next question. Um, Remote work has become like prevalent during the pandemic and has kind of continued on. A lot of people who didn't have remote work have remote work today. Just a feel for the room. Do you all think that is helpful or hurtful for people who, you know, might have mental uh, challenges or mental illnesses that they're dealing with? So, it's it's a real double-edged sword. Um, the most important thing to know is yourself. Uh, if you are feeling good about working from home, making progress, you don't feel uh, alienated from your work, your, your coworkers, if you feel like this is something that's good for you and working, then I totally promote doing it. Uh, if it's not working for you, you do have to acknowledge that. Uh, it, it's a... 
It's an action that you're going to have to take for yourself. And a lot of people who don't like working from home but still do it don't realize that they're the ones in charge of that option in many cases, um, that they can change the way they work with co-working spaces or going into the office or even just having a flex schedule to do such a thing. But it's it's also somewhat interesting. In my case, I'm agoraphobic. I've been doing work from home for uh, 12, 13 years, something along those lines. So it's really great for me. I'm able to work anywhere that allows remote work, but it also doesn't improve my condition. Um, agoraphobia is treated through immersion therapy, you know, do, doing the thing you don't want to do. Uh, and so I, while I am able to work and it's great, I do have to acknowledge that it allows me to sort of live with my condition without improving it in any way. The other side of the remote work and work from home or coming back to the office, because coming back to the office is, is the big, huge thing that's been happening, at least in the news feeds I read in the past six months or so. All these you know empty buildings in downtowns, they're trying to get the remote workers back in. Now, I'm, I've been remote work since uh, 2017-ish, and I've very, I had a hard time getting started, but kind of fell into it very naturally. So where now I've been doing it since then, I haven't had any problems and I actually love it. The wife actually worked from home. We both worked from home from a really for together for a long time and we're still married. So, you know, I think we were both kind of good at it. So, and, and, but I am also going to be the first one to tell you it's not for everybody, right? If you are the kind of person that needs to go into the office, go into the office. And what frustrates me about the whole conversation is that too many managers and too many offices are so gung ho on being able to see a butt in a seat that they don't care if that butt in the seat is going to be very productive or not productive in that seat. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been working from home are remotely since 2014 and I did it for about a year and a half back in 2016 or 20, 2006. So I've had some experience with it. Um, I'll say that I think to Tom's point, it, it can be a double-edged sword. Uh, I do know that there were, uh, I had been experiencing depression uh, since I was, you know, a teenager or earlier preteen Um and it got to a point in my adult life where it was just kind of like I didn't experience it much anymore. And I realized looking back on it, that was during a time I was working for a startup and like I was working late and I was super busy. So I didn't have time to even consider any internal thoughts or any work life balance much. Right. <laughs> so when I got into more of a balance, um, and I was also working from home. Uh, it all just kind of came back, uh, came rushing back. Um, but the benefit to that in some ways is last year, I, I went through a really, really tough time and I work for a company that's gracious enough that like, as long as I'm getting my work done, like things like it's, everything's cool. So I was getting my work done, but I was in bed a lot of the times. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I powered through that and not just powered through it. I, I worked with some medical professionals to get through that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that 
working from home can also have those benefits. So like if you're having a tough time and you just need to chill out and step away and uh, you're not, you don't have to worry about like leaving the office or something like that. And that's one of the the things that concerns me a lot about this push to return to the office is that this decision is not being made with consideration to the mental health of the employees or their work-life balance. You know, having uh, two hours of your day committed to commuting is two hours that you're not at work, but you're not with your family. So now you just have a two-hour shorter day. And uh, I, I think it's really important that people who are in charge of making these decisions consider the, the mental health of the employees and that there are other companies that aren't going to force people back into offices and they're going to win getting the best employees. Two hours so, shorter day, depending on your region. I used to live in Atlanta and so, I worked 40 miles away from my office. So that could those could easily turn into two hour commutes each way. The the thing is that is the thing is you can also there's something that can be done about this. The people that are going back into the office, if you are a manager of other humans, go get mental health first aid certified. Take that class. Okay. Uh, okay. If you work with kids or if you're around uh, teens a lot, there's even a teen program that's focused just on teens now. Uh, so they're, they're, they have expanded the program in most states. You can get it for free. In some cases, you can even get it. Uh, you can piggyback on to uh, a class that's already been paid for through some other grant uh, that you can go to. You can do it online. It is typically a full eight hours. So you do either two four hour online classes or you can do a one a one day class on site somewhere. And you, you get a fancy little certificate that give you a handbook and it teaches you how to assess situations and how to uh, react and what to do and what not to do when dealing with somebody who may be having uh, a, a psychiatric episode or just a mental health crisis. So it's kind of like first aid for mental health. And uh, that's what we really kind of recommend everybody go and do. Uh, my wife and I have done it. She took the uh, the teen one because she's been doing being a she's been working as a substitute teacher. So she did the teen one as well and had really good things to say about that program as well. So that is something that if that I recommend everybody go do, especially if you manage people, if you manage humans, please go take that because it will it will teach you empathy. And and this is a world where a lot of managers who don't have any concerns about mental health because they don't have any mental health issues. They actually also lack the empathy for anybody with the mental health issues. So the mental health first aid kind of gives you that dose of empathy as well, as well as giving you the tools to deal with these situations. Yeah. So a bunch of people have all used the analogy of it being a double-edged sword working from home or working from the office. But I mean, double-edged sword, it means it works in both directions as well. And so what you need to do is no matter where you're working, you need to make sure that you are being mindful of what you need and mindful of your boundaries. And you need to advocate for other people around you in those same situations. Like okay. if you, you know, if you have to go back into the office, then make sure that you're checking in on other people and make sure that they know that it's okay to fight for a work-life balance that works for you and okay. let them know that, you know, you're here for them or if they need a listening ear or if they just need a recommendation or, you know, something, someone to go with them when they 
ask if they can get a day off or something, you know, just try to, um, you know, be there for them. And if you're all still working remotely or some sort of hybrid, make sure you're checking on the people that are working remotely because it can be really easy to silo at that point because you're not bumping into someone when you go refill your cup of coffee or you're not bumping into someone on your way to lunch or on your way out to the car or wherever you're going. Um, and so because there's not those accidental interactions where you can kind of socially catch up or check on people, um, you need to make more of an effort in a remote setting to be purposeful about having those kinds of interactions with people because they don't just happen accidentally then. So. Yes. Um, yeah. And the only, I guess the only thing that was really good, the only thing I'd follow up with, I, I might follow up on that with is that it's um, something that organizations have to understand they don't do just once. And then it's like, oh, well, we told them it doesn't work that way. You know, as well as I do that, that listing of like your EAP or all these, you know, programs they have is at the bottom of somebody's desk and it's not, it's in a bunch of paperwork and they don't people, I guarantee you, everybody I talk to, they all, most of them don't know what, what's available to them and they don't, they don't pay attention. I, for one reason or another, there's too much going on. Right. So, um, the assumption that. We put it in our newsletter once and that everybody read that, right? Um, no. And so if your employees don't know about it, that means you're not doing your job. Your job is to tell them about it so they know and use it so that they are healthy and continue to work for you. That, that's, that's the big motivation. So if you're not doing that stuff, you are reducing your productivity and increasing your turnover. So I think that's a pretty strong business argument uh, that this mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. Yep. Yeah. And dropping I, in a newsletter and never mentioning it again is a great way to say like, hey, we don't actually care about this. We're required to tell you this, but don't yeah. use this service. Whereas if you make it a part of your everyday conversation, I mean, think about the other things you tell your coworkers or employees all the time, like don't forget to check your email or don't forget to check whatever logs or messages or errors or whatever you're telling, reminding them to do work wise, just add on. And don't forget, we have mental health resources if you need them, or, you know, don't forget, you can come to me if you need anything or, you know, just something simple, just tack it on with your normal weekly, daily stand up, whatever reminders. And that just keeps it fresh in everyone's mind and makes it seem like it's important to you. Yeah, and also sort of going back to the work from home situation, um, it's important to have a work from home environment that works for you as well. Uh, you can find a lot of articles online about how to, you know, improve your productivity uh, when you're working from home. A lot of this stuff has to do with uh, having your workspace separate from your bedroom, having a quiet environment where your family isn't disturbing you constantly. Uh, so if you're working from home, you can also uh, improve your own mental health just by creating the right environment for yourself. Get a cat, apparently, because I think most of us have cats. For your mental health. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, I think most of us have cats. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, I, mean, I feel like I can keep talking about this. I mean, we, we've been on for, we're, we're, we're bumping up on two hours here so i, I want to be you know kind of a 
thankful for everybody's time. Um, is there any other things we want to talk about before I let you, before I let everybody go? Uh, any, I always feel like there, I have a blind spot on this topic and it's like, I miss some very obvious things that should be touched on. If, if there's anything like that, feel free to speak up. I, I won't be offended. Um, I just, I, I'll speak up a little bit. Um, except for you, Ben, you offend me all the time. <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into like my story here too much, but I did allude to a little bit uh, that when I started working from home back in 2014, um, <laughs> uh, think uh, I, um, you know, I had all of these kind of depression feelings and stuff that I thought were like, I, I guess in my mind, I thought I just grew out of it or something in a weird sort of way. Um, and I did not. And um, it really kind of, it did take um, hearing Ed speak on both the dev hell podcast and on um, and at PHP tech and uh, among many other things um, to really kind of turn me around and say, Hey, I, I probably really need to talk to someone about this. And, and so it, it, uh, it was very helpful for me to hear from other people uh, and realize that, um, you know, it's, it's okay to go, go get help somewhere. It's okay to seek it out. And, and, you know, one time's not going to always, not going to fix it. You might have to keep, you know, looking, you know, seeking out help uh, um, from professionals uh, who are trained to, to work with people uh, with, you know, various kinds of mental health issues. So I would encourage anyone who's listening that uh, uh, if you find yourself in a similar place, you know, even if you don't think you get depressed, like a lot or deep or whatever um, it's, it can be helpful to, to find uh, to, to go talk to a doctor or a, a therapist or, or someone like that. That's a great point. Yeah. I, I shared my story earlier about, uh, you know, some stuff I I've gone through. Uh, I I've had a lot in my life and, and I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not like this anymore. Cause I, I know I am, but I was definitely that person of just leave me alone. I'll push through this. I'll figure things out. I don't need help. I don't need medication. I don't need anybody, you know, talking to me i'll i'll figure it out and that wasn't obviously not a good approach um i i also kind of compensated a lot for it by trying to surround myself with smarter people and that really helped me because again with adhd it focus was a big issue for me so i felt like if i had people around me who had the ability to be focused that i would you know be okay as well. Um, and like I said earlier, it's, I, I really, I, this is something I should have done a very long time ago. And I, you know, I, I take ownership of the fact that I didn't, but yeah, it's, I, I feel you, man. It's, it's like, it's, it's tough to understand when it's time to, to try to get help. And it, it's, I don't even have that stigma of, well, what will people think of me? I, Honestly, don't give a shit what people think of me. Uh, but it, it it was still that struggle of I just didn't have the tools to realize this this is what I need to do. Like this is I, I I've I've 
past a barrier and I can't, I can't get myself back anymore. I I think the stigma isn't so much, I mean, you can have a little bit of stigma and that stigma might be the idea that, Oh, I should be able to push through this. Right. Mm -hmm. And that comes from somewhere, right. That something Mm -hmm. has informed you at some point in your life that you should be able to overcome this uh, on your own. Um, And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's unhealthy. So uh, you have to be able to kind of overcome even that. And sometimes it can be hard to see how unhealthy it is. Um, Mm -hmm. 10 years or so ago or so, I had actually a couple of jobs in a row where my social battery was being drained so aggressively and so continuously and over and over again that I just became kind of a belligerent asshole. Um, my coworkers created a website is serapist.com so they could know when I was being an asshole. And I actually started to look at it and say, Oh, am I being an asshole right now? Oh, maybe I am. Yeah. They're, they're tweeting about it. I must be. Um, but I, it, but I wasn't going and getting the help for that. I was just continuing, um, letting, uh, to, to, to quote, uh, my new favorite Star Trek captain, allowing asshole to be a substitute for charm. Um, and it, uh, that doesn't scale. That doesn't last. It, uh, it, it eventually burns itself out. So I'm going along with that. I'm sorry. (laughs) My favorite captain is, oh, never mind. I don't want to say it because a lot of people might not have seen it yet. Never mind. Yeah, no spoilers. (laughs) But when you get to the line, go ahead. Like he's my, he's my new favorite captain. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say going along with that. One of the things that really helped me. And this is kind of a simplistic view of this, but, um, you know, we're talking about mental illness. And if you fall down, and you think you broke your arm, but aren't sure, you go to the doctor and check and see if you broke your arm. And if you need a cast, right, the doctor will tell you if you need a cast. So if you think you might be dealing with a mental illness, don't wait until you're really, really sure. Okay, because the doctor will tell you if you need something or not. So, you know, don't try to diagnose it yourself. Oh, well, I think my elbow might be broken, but if I just hold my arm real still, it doesn't hurt. It's like, no. You just need a mental not... sling. It's fine. A little, right, little, little right? brain splint. That's all. Yeah. You just need like a smile sling or something or a new hobby and that'll fix your broken elbow. Like that is the dumbest thing. Right? Just walk no. it off, right? Yeah, just walk it off. No, um, you know, so just like with any other major medical thing, go to a professional who has studied this for years and they will tell you, you know, what you need and what they can do for you. But know that mental illness, first off, you are not alone. Second of all, there is help out there. You can feel better. So what you need to do is go and find a professional and get some help that you need. And it's okay. That is an okay thing. Um, I think, uh, shoot, I had a really smart point and then I lost. <laughs> should, should we try to buy time until you get it back? Or? <laughs> ah, yes. All right. Just edit out that crap. Um, here is what I, something that I really didn't 
appreciate or frankly believe until probably like the last year. Um, the illness or disability or whatever that I have is not my fault. And I didn't ask for it. Nobody here asked for this. Nobody here did something that made this happen. Nobody did. But it is our responsibility to take care of it and, and to deal with it. But I just want to emphasize for everybody, the thing that keeps me consistently from getting help and keeps me fucked up <laughs> is that I think I should just be able to think my way out of this. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. It doesn't work like that. Um, if you do, or if you think that's how it works for other people, if it works for that way for you, awesome. But there's a lot of people it doesn't work that way for. And none of us, none of us want to be this way. We just want to get better and feel okay. That's it. So that's all we're trying to do. And I don't think it's much to ask for. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a great place to wrap this up. Uh, Ed, you know, you started something that I feel like a lot of communities needed. Um, like you said, focused on the tech industry, uh, I think is just something that was being ignored for, for a while. So honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you getting this ball going and, and you're, you continue to keep it moving forward. Joe, Beth, same with you. Uh, things like movements like this don't just happen in a vacuum. It takes a lot of people kind of coming together and, and helping make it happen. And that's what everybody who's involved with OSMI is doing, and it's helping. I just want to make sure, in case you ever lose sight of that, that you understand that it it's helping. It, it helps people. Um, that's, thank you. That's thank it. You. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at tech. Uh, if you're not going to be at tech, we're, we're trying to, uh, make some arrangements so that you can still, uh, catch the talks. We talked about it on ugly last night. We're hoping to have some virtual passes next week where we're, this is honestly a last minute thing we're, we're doing and putting together. Uh, so if we can get everything to come together, then, Ideally, Monday we will be able. You'll be able to buy a, a virtual pass, uh, so everybody can can make things like this. And we will. Tr- we were going to try to stream if we're able to stream the OSMI talk at the UnCon. That will actually be on the the free stream. So we're going to have like this lobby aspect where any free streams we're doing, you can just go there and watch it. And we'll we'll also look at broadcasting it on the different YouTube channels. We we have. Uh, ownership over um besides that and what day and time is that going to be eric the uh the the tech specifically 
Oh, he said earlier they haven't planned the uncon. Oh, it hasn't been laid down. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 I was trying to soft tee you something. Zero I know. Pants. They have to figure out yeah. what room they're going to have available. It's going to be sometime between the 16th and 18th, uh, Sarah. So uh, just uh, <laughs> just always be ready. The computer that entire yeah, I appreciate time. you narrowing it down. That was good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for your time. Um, I do appreciate it, and uh, I think everybody who watches this will appreciate it. And everybody who is watching, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we we love this. I I state this every time. PHP Roundtable is a real passion project for me. I'm enjoying doing it, but much like the the mental uh, you know area you have to do things I, I made a decision very early that, that I wasn't going to let PHP Roundtable kind of add to mental stress uh, but I am trying to get more into a regular cadence to have more things so if there's a topic or a subject you're interested in seeing a panel around and if you have an idea for a panel feel free to reach out to me we're on Mastodon at uh, PHP Roundtable at phparch.social we're on twitter still at php roundtable we have a discord you, you can get in hopefully uh, that is getting shared enough it'll be in the show notes as well um, just reach out to me and let me know we're always looking for ideas and that's it I appreciate everybody thank you for hanging out goodbye bye, bye. bye.